Welcome to our podcast, The Words That Make Us. Consider this time with us as your excuse to take a break from everything. Every episode, we choose a word that makes us think, wonder, or dream. We read a range of texts that explore different aspects of this word. And we let our thoughts wander. We hope that yours will too. So grab your favorite tea. Or a beer. And join me, Ramachar. And me, Tony Bailey. Let's go! <laughs> this episode, uh, we are talking about the topic of aging. Hi, Rama. Good to see you. <sighs> Age cannot wither her, nor custom stale her infinite variety. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's Tony. With mirth and laughter, let old wrinkles come. Old wrinkles? I suppose, actually, if we're talking about aging, Shakespeare's a good place to start. I guess he's pretty, got, pretty well got everything to say about everything to do with aging. All the world's a stage, and all the men and women merely players. They have their exits and their entrances, and one man in his time plays many parts, his acts being seven ages. Well, it's that makes sense now that you're in your sixth act, aren't you? Just about, yeah. Well, I've just arrived at my interval, so... Does that make sense? That, that was a good thing that you found there. Yeah, um, but usually the second half of the play is better than the first. So, you know, you're not in, even at the interval yet. Whereas I'm, I'm in the good sec- second half of the, uh, the play. So I hope yeah. I can take your word for it, Tony, because I am terrified. Let me just tell you. About the idea of ageing or just being older? Or? Um, it's interesting, isn't it? The idea of ageing, how it has gathered such a negative connotation. That's true. I can't think, actually, I was, I was thinking about earlier, I can't think of any context in which somebody uses the word ageing in a positive way, unless it's cheese <laughs> or, or wine. wine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but in a human sense, it's, isn't it interesting? At what point do you go from growing up to growing old or growing up or to ageing? Babies, oh, lovely, aren't they growing beautifully? Yeah. And then suddenly you hit a time in your life where, oh, you're, you're aging. aging well, or oh, you're aging well, or you're not aging well. It's, um, yeah, a strange concept. I find it very interesting because I feel like, yes, we're not growing physically when we're older, but we are definitely growing our minds, aren't we? We're becoming better people, at least you'd hope, as older people, that we, we are growing in a way we're not simply aging but then we replace the the phrase um aging with maturing Mm. or becoming wiser or such like but the the actual aging itself the word doesn't have any of the positive connotations does it yeah not really and even mature, like when I go and want to buy one of my famous creams for my skin and they say for mature skin, 
Yes, I to find counter that, the effects of aging, I, like it's a disease. Exactly, I, I find mean, that euphemism. Ages. I find the euphemism very insulting in a way. But I mean, either way, you can't make me happy. It's I'm going to be complaining whether they say for wrinkles or if they say for mature skin, Rama will be unhappy. But aging is has many facets, though, doesn't it? Aging isn't just about your physical decay, which is bound to happen. It just happens at different stages for people. Yeah. You have all the different aspects of, of aging that go with it, whether it's the um, your mental acuity or your ability, your social uh, ability, um, as well as your physical ability, your outlook on life. They all age in uh, different ways. So I think your experience of aging really is multifaceted. It's not just about whether you need skin cream, right? Yes. Um, I mean, you would like to think that when you age, you, you, you should be able to look at this in a positive manner. So for example, when you get older, you become... So in some countries, in some cultures, when you become older, especially as a woman, you become the matron of the family, mm -hmm. don't you? It's like everybody comes to you for advice or everybody fears you because whatever you say goes. Um, but it's in Western culture, it doesn't seem to be the, this, the, the case. It seems that when you get older, you just become invisible in a, in a way. Anyway, I tried to look on the internet and find some things that are positive about aging. Did you manage to find anything? Because I found it really difficult to find anybody putting their thumbs up and saying aging is fun. Not really. I tried and I found something. So Caitlin Moran okay. is a really, um, is a journalist I actually respect and I've read two of her books. And she, I found an article written by her where she muses about middle age. And among the many things that she's learned, she stopped believing or doing, um, she developed a new relationship with her body. So I, I really like that. She writes in the article, um, I think it was Red Magazine, but I'm not sure. She says um, something about the joy of being middle-aged. She says, the biggest surprise of aging for me has been how much fitter and hotter I am in my 40s than in my 20s. As a teenager, I felt utterly distant from my body. I thought of it merely as a problem that needed to have things like diets and horrible exercise visited on it every so often to punish it into something more acceptable. But having now gone through pregnancy and birth, I feel more connected to my body. I know it's amazing and it tells me what it wants. An apple, some yoga, a walk, to swim in Hampstead Ladies Pond. It likes waking up at dawn to hear the dawn chorus and being in bed by 10 p.m. with a good book. And it really doesn't want to fly to New York. Not when the roses need deadheading. And its husband is on the sofa with Seinfeld on pause, waiting to give it a foot massage. Hmm. Yeah. So I feel kind of double-edged about that. Because <clears throat> I think it's really good that the 40s or the middle ages if you like <laughs> and now the dark ages the dark ages now middle age is not old anymore and that's great to feel fit and hot when you're in your 40s but i think all that that reflects from my point of view looking at it is that the aging process now takes place 
later, mm. but the experience is still the same. That's exactly right. So, you know, there are now plenty of celebrities and hotties who are in their 40s or even their 50s, probably even more so with men. Yeah. The kind of silver fox brigade. And that's you the know. thing. It's so unfair, you know. Like, when you look at men when they age, oh, he's a silver fox. So isn't that cool? He's aging so well. He's even hotter. Look at yes. Brad Pitt. People are fighting over Brad Pitt. And people celebrating Brad this. Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt. We know who you mean. Yeah. Brad Pitt. But then if you look at a woman... Yeah. Then, of course, a woman who still is hanging on to life and wants to live her life, then we call her a cougar, don't we? Yeah. And that's one of my my fears, actually, about growing up, growing older, because I do like my red lipstick and my nice dresses. And what will people say when I continue doing these things when I'm in my 50s, 60s, 70s? I don't know. Yeah. Do you think that that is one of the pivotal moments in your aging process then? which is when what other people think becomes more important. Actually, I think it becomes less important. I think when you're younger, then you're always worried what people think. But when you're older, I do hope to God that this will change. And I will be like, actually, to be honest with you, I have always wanted to dye my hair purple. But I am waiting for my old age where I'm like, you can all go to mm-hmm, because I am going to do what I have and been wanting people will to. be saying, don't worry. She's just she's a crazy. Just, she's just a crazy old woman. <laughs> yeah. Well, my experience of getting older, and to be fair, as you so kindly mentioned by saying I was in the sixth act of seven, I am a little bit later on in the process. So... Um, But I come at it from a different angle. A, I'm male, so I've never uh, felt those pressures. And I I sympathise that it should be something that you're having to worry about, looking in the mirror in the morning. I mean, I I look in the mirror and think nothing of it, really. Mm. It is what it is. Mm. Um, I don't enjoy the ageing process purely because of what's happening to me physically. Um, So not being able to run as fast or do the things I used to be able to do. But I'm really not bothered at all by what anybody else thinks. See, I like that very much. And I am trying... I am getting better. I I used to be the kind of person who cared way too much about what other people thought. And I am getting better at this. But I'm also really inspired by people like Caitlin Moran and actually um, our colleague who works here at school who got better and fitter with age and she said she was able to run in her 50s or in 40s when she was not able to run in her 30s so it's all in the mind isn't it so what's the secret then because I, there are plenty of people that i know my father's a good example mm. and he won't be listening to this so it doesn't matter but he would probably not mind me saying he's a grumpy old sod <laughs> i mean he's a lot older i mean clearly mm. he's late 80s nearly 90 but he doesn't really have any passion for living at all. And his whole experience of ageing, especially after my mum died, mm. has been completely negative. Well, I have two things to say about this. The first one is actually a study that comes to mind. I don't know if you've heard of the study, but they took all of these older people who were really suffering from many different health issues... And they put them in um, houses and places that they designed to look exactly like the 70s. Oh, I think I saw a 
yeah, a documentary. And so yes. the music was from the 70s, the yeah. publications on the tables were from the 70s, everything that was around them was from that era when they were young. It's a bit like my flat, actually. Is it, really? But that's only because I haven't changed the furniture <laughs> and my clothes <laughs> since the 70s. And so they noticed that these older people actually started to act younger. And it was really interesting to watch. They, those who had a cane were able to do without the cane. Those who um, were slow were now, you know, they stood straighter, which is really, really interesting. And it yeah. just makes you think that it's, it's really a lot of it is in the mind, isn't it? It just have to be, I don't know, you have to regain your joy for life and try to do something about it. Yeah, which, lost the lust for, for life. The, the second thing that I wanted to talk about was actually, um, I don't know if you've heard of it, the Harvard study. And it's interesting, it's, I don't know. It's a TED Talk, isn't it? It is a TED this. Talk. And it's funny because yeah. if you ask my students, I think they will all complain about this TED Talk because I make my students watch this TED Talk every single year. Yeah. And I find it, I find it amazing because in this TED Talk, the recent manager of the study it's actually, the study is now in its 70th or 80th year. So this is a study that is really rare, like no other study um, that has survived for so long. And it was just sheer luck, plus, you know, all the people really, really wanting it to continue. And it was just fascinating, the things that he said about how the key to happiness, what it was, because some people thought, oh, is it good health or is it good money? Or is it the things that you have achieved in your life or, you know, all of the things that you can look back on? And in the end, actually, it turns out that happiness comes from having and maintaining good relationships. That kind of makes sense, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Um, yeah, didn't they sort of look at things like smoking and exercise and all of the things that we stereotypically um, believe are causes of death and found that they actually if, if you were in a happy marriage yeah um as you you know entered your retirement you outlived those um who were heavy you know you, you know you outlive people of equivalent if they you know if they were in an unhappy marriage I didn't explain that very well but um i know what i meant yeah i know um, what you meant yeah. too it's like being in a in a bad relationship is really like like being like living in stress all day long all the time and so and when you retire it's even worse because you have no one else to see or you see very little of other people except for your spouse and if you're very miserable then guess what's going to happen to your health yeah it's a bit of um i i i, I sort of felt with that study that um it, it a bit oversimplified things mm. because as we sort of implied earlier that the aging process is a whole uh, it's quite a complex mixture of things happening to mm. you at the same time. And um, surely it can't be right that if you're in a good, positive relationship, you're less susceptible to cancer. I, I'm, I just wonder whether the, the correlation between all of those things is quite complicated and that it's the balance in the end that um, is the secret. So... It may be that you are, you know, in a, a very good, happy relationship, but you never exercise. Yeah. You smoke 60 fags a day and yeah. drink a lot of beer. Honestly, I, I don't think the fact that you're in a happy relationship would 
would nullify the um, no the, the sort of physical um, no, aspects. No, absolutely but not. But it's it's a mixture of things, isn't it? It's like you have to have a healthy lifestyle. But but I think what they're trying to say is if you've got two very unhealthy people, one of them was in a healthy relationship and the other one was bitter and lonely, then the one in the healthy relationship. And it's very interesting because in the TED Talk he said it's not that they felt less, that they were less sick, it's that they felt less sick. Yes. So it was, yes. you know, if, if they were... If you had a chronic disease... Exactly. And so you were happily married, you didn't You didn't feel, feel the, the symptoms so much. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas yeah. the loneliness and the bitterness, you know, made that worse in the other yeah. individuals. So but I, I think, think they sort of correlated insofar as... Um, if if you are in a um, a good positive relationship, you're probably less likely to drink lots of alcohol, That's and you're probably less likely to feel stressed. You're yeah. probably less likely to suffer from depression. You're probably less likely to then be smoking lots of cigarettes or a day. sedentary the whole time. You or know, sedentary. You're more likely to be doing things because exactly. you're part. You're doing things with your partner. Um, so yeah, it's quite an interesting sort of complex thing isn't it yeah um it's a bit like you've heard of the blue zones oh yeah so that's really interesting because that you would think that there must be genetically some sort of um parts of society who live longer than others and it must be down to the 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 diet or the lifestyle and they you know people don't smoke and they live longer but um these blue zones so named because of the blue circles that researchers Put, put on, the map. on the map. <laughs> um, supposedly, the five five regions in the world that outlive other regions mm-hmm. of the world. Mm-hmm. Do you I know, know what them. the? I know you. I, I tested you earlier. <laughs> uh, what's the global life expectancy at the moment, Rama? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. Is it seventy? Seventy-one point four years. Okay. Yeah. So, but some parts of the world, there are people habitually living till they're in their nineties. Some parts of the world have so many people are in age mm. over 100 now. Yeah, it's about the so, highest concentration of octogenarians, yeah. isn't it, in, in, those, in those regions. So, But the reasons, I, I thought, okay, the Blue Zones, they'll all be people who eat a lot of tomatoes, mm. or there'll be, there'll be some elixir for life. Maybe they're people... Blueberries. If they're Blue Zones, it must be blueberries. Ah, that's true. Yeah, could be. <laughs> or they might be very cold places, because yeah. people... <laughs> Their lips blue. are always blue. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's, uh, so Sardinia in Italy, mm-hmm. and the reason being, actually the highest concentration of, of male centenarian, centenarians in the world. So if you're looking for an older man, go <laughs> to Sardinia, to go. <laughs> and they'll be in the hundreds, so they won't be that long till they die, and then you, yeah, just saying. Be a happy widow. Yeah. Um, but the largely plant-based diet, daily physical activity, and family closeness, all parts of that. Uh, Italian culture, sheep herders tending to walk at least five miles a day. So you'd think, okay, that's it, that, that must be it. But then you go to um, Loma Linda in California. Mm, that was an interesting one because it was basically you weren't born into that community, you no. subscribe to that community. No, and haven for Seventh day Adventist Church, mm. a Protestant denomination. People living to a shared sense, uh, set of principles, rules, communi- uh, community, adherence to the Sabbath and to the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And um, they live longer, 10 years longer than their fellow Americans. 
very interesting. Is Many it avoid also because meat. they really encourage movement. I, I watched the documentary where they were like, everybody was supposed to take part in physical activity. Yeah. But also their um, supermarkets and, and grocery shops were designed differently because yeah. they, they bought more. Um, veg- they had a vegetarian diet Plants, mostly. Plants, whole grains, yeah. nuts, not very much, yeah. much meat. So that's, that's weird. Uh, Nicoya, Costa Rica. Mm. Um, they don't eat any processed food, and they get most of their calories from beans, squash, corn, fruit. Yeah. So diet, but also they have this plan de vida, a uh, guiding life purpose. Oh, what is and that? And that helps them to stay mentally and spiritually fulfilled. Uh-huh. So they have some sort of, yeah, purpose in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ikaria in Greece fierce sense of island pride so i think the reverence with which older people are kept in greece means that older people are looked after but also the daily naps strict adherence to the mediterranean diet i like that i like i want to live there already (laughs) one in three ikarians live into their 90s often free of dementia and chronic disease so there's a whole range of different things there that constitute oldness um what about japan of course, yeah. The last one. Okinawa, Japan. Um, a culture that boasts the longest living women in the world, with many surpassing 100. Um, small but tiny community. They've all been through life's ups and downs together. I think that being part of that sort of collectivist culture of, of Japan. Yeah. Um, but yeah. They have this thing called Ikigai. In, in Okinawa, or I think in, in Japan in general. And this I, is. I love this concept of ikigai. Yeah. Uh, I love the fact that Japanese have got words for things that we don't have words like for. Like what? A disgusting guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> An ikigai. <laughs> Sounds like it, doesn't it? Yeah. Creepy guy. Creepy guy. No, ikigai. So, what is ikigai? What is that? It's just, it's basically about their like, having a purpose in life. So, they said that. They keep their older folk um, productive and they work for as long as they can. They have their little gardens. They have they care so much about community and friendships and, and they really foster their friendships and their family connections. It's really... It, in the documentary, it was really, really interesting to watch, to see. And, and they, the thing that they had in common with all the other Blue Zones is that they moved so much. But the Ikigai was just... It's, it's a mixture of having passion for things so like their gardens their people um their hobbies sometimes they were singing together dancing um they have a mission in life basically they don't it's not about just giving up and and so this is a bit like the costa rica one having yeah the the, this fulfillment yeah what do they call it um yeah the plan de vida exactly guiding life principle exactly so so we're going to be happier in the aging process if we have some guiding principle or reason for to living. To stay alive. You know, yeah. and I also noticed that, you know, some people actually really give up. Like, I had an uncle. He is not related to me by blood, but he was really revered in the family. And I think as soon as he hit 70 or something, he really was not old at all. He kind of gave up. And he was bedridden for the rest of his life. It was the saddest thing to watch. We just watched him waste away. Yeah. And, and was that because of his mental state was, or did he just We thought he was fine. No, there was nothing wrong with him physically. I remember the doctors telling his wife that 
he should be fine. He should be walking. But he kind of, it really was like a conscious decision that he was giving up. He decided that it was enough for him. But the problem was that he was bedridden for like four, four or five years. Yeah. And it, he was, yeah. and he, and it was really interesting because he was a, he felt like he was a burden to everybody. So he was always crying when you saw him. But yeah. at the same time, he just, and I think with time, even if he wanted to get up and move, he couldn't because his muscles had atrophied. And it so it was like a that. self-fulfilling prof- prophecy. Exactly. Do you know what? I mean, I, I kind of get that. I get it. It scares me a lot, but I could imagine, um, I mean, the situation I, I, I'm in, mm. um, so a large amount of the time I spend on my own. Yeah. At a stage in my life where I probably wasn't expecting mm. to, to be alone. Mm. And so having the um, energy or the, even the wherewithal to, to, to get off my backside and do things, to have the ikigai, I have to say, you know, I love that concept. Mm. And I love the pictures of, uh, you know, little Japanese couples doing the garden together and doing dancing and running races at the age of 83. But mm. I can well imagine... Being at age thinking, no, that's not that's not for me. Hey. I just, I, I, yeah. You're in your sixth act, but you still have many more acts. I've got the you. encore as well. <laughs> exactly. To come back to, but I can understand why that it's not for some people, because I think it's about um, what's the word I'm looking for? Dignity. Mm. Mm. There's something not quite right for me. Where, as an old person, you're almost being treated like a child again. Oh, yes. Yeah. So it's great that a community puts on special events for its old people in the same way as it has a crash for young people. But I I don't know whether I would feel comfortable as that old person to be on the receiving end of that. I totally, totally get that. I would like to be independent and die on my feet and not be taken care of by anybody or given pity or um I don't know charity by anyone that would make me very sad but that that reminds me of something that I when I was doing the research yesterday I found something that was fascinating yeah it's a tv show an Australian tv show and it's called old people's home for four-year-olds okay and it's <laughs> it's where they they have a kindergarten and the old people's home at the same place oh seen it yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and it was just i mean i just looked at the findings and i got sucked into it's some a win-win. videos it's it is a, a win-win. win-win why are we not doing this i don't know everywhere I mean, apparently this started in japan actually this idea yeah. Yeah. and then uh, and they they have one in seattle and now maybe more around the world where they just let these younger people young very young children mixed with very old people and it really gave the old people this sense of ikigai you know because they were like okay these kids need me you know they want me to go for a walk of course i've got to get up and go for a walk and they measured the people's vitals before and after and they noticed that these people were really improving yeah so it was really really cool to watch i i i I love it i still still part of me feels a little bit uncomfortable um it's a bit like Caitlin Moran. Yeah. I think it's fine for her to talk about where she is right now. I'm in my 40s and I'm feeling fitter and hotter. Yeah. But is she going to feel the same way when she's in her 80s? And she's not fit or hot. Yeah. She's incontinent. Yeah. And <laughs> she's finding it very difficult to, you know, get around the place, to, to feel so positive about life. And... 
you know, when a group of kindergarten kids come in and want to befriend me when I'm in my grumpy yeah. 80s, uh, you know, I hope I still feel good, good and, and positive about it. But I could understand why some people don't, because they feel, like I say, that lack of dignity in their, in their ageing. Um, or they feel embarrassed or they feel insecure. I, I can see that. I can't see you being like that. I don't, you don't have it in you to be the grumpy old man. You're just so... F- oh, I definitely do. You do. <laughs> okay. No, but I think um, the, the most of the literature, you know, I think you probably found as well, actually does focus on the downside of, yeah. of getting old. Yeah. It doesn't get a particular... We've actually been quite uplifting about and hopeful about it so yeah. far, but I definitely see the, the downside, the um, the really negative and, and one-way process of ageing towards death and the sort of inevitable, inevitability about it and often the sort of loneliness that goes with that experience Mm -hmm. especially in the modern age I think doesn't paint a particularly good picture Mm -hmm. I found one good poem Mm -hmm. um, by good old Matthew Arnold now Matthew Arnold the only reason why I looked at Matthew Arnold was because when I was a student of A-level English Mm -hmm. uh, nobody would believe that I did A-level English but I did um he was one of my set poets, and he wrote a very famous poem called Dover Beach, mm-hmm. which I hated. Sorry, Matthew, but you're not alive anymore anyway. I only hated it because I had to study it to death. Okay. But anyway, another one of his poems is called Growing Old, mm-hmm. which um, isn't exactly your stereotypical take on growing old, mm-hmm. but uh, I quite liked it. Um, what is it to grow old? Is it to lose the glory of the form, the luster of the eye? Is it for beauty to forego her wreath? Yes, but not this alone. Is it to feel our strength, not our bloom only, but our strength decay? Is it to feel each limb grow stiffer, every function less exact, each nerve more loosely strong? Yes, this and more, but not... Ah, tis not what in youth we dreamed would be. Tis not to have our life mellowed and softened as with sunset glow, a golden day's decline. Tis not to see the world as from a height with rapt prophetic eyes and heart profoundly stirred and weep and feel the fullness of the past, the years that are no more. It is to spend long days and not once feel that we were ever young. It is to add, immured in the hot prison of the present, month to month, with weary pain. It is to suffer this and feel but half and feebly what we feel. Deep in our hidden heart festers the dull remembrance of a change, but no emotion, none. It is, last stage of all, when we are frozen up within, and quite the phantom of ourselves, to hear the world applaud the hollow ghost which blamed the living man. That's very bleak, isn't it? Ah, be great lyrics to a song, wouldn't they? <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, it's interesting that like this is how he sees it. It's like 
festering and, and a phantom of yourself. Oh, and you're yeah. just a shadow of this person that once was and you don't remember anything. Well, I think he, he had a, like a, an image when he was younger that as you got older, you would start to mellow and soften and you would just be surrounded by this glow of mm. worthiness mm. because of the life you led. Yeah. And I sort of get that because I... I certainly remember in a younger life the sort of ambition I had mm. about building legacy, about building something worthwhile, and and then getting to a stage in life where you realise actually it's not about that at all, is it? It's about having got over the the peak mm. and now being on the downward slope. Um, so I get that. And his point, Matthew Arnold's point there is... Um, being old is spending long days and not once feeling that you're ever young. So kind of forgetting what that youthful feeling is like. I don't know. I, I refuse to believe that. I am really sorry. I apologise to you and to Matthew Arnold. <laughs> but I think for Matthew Arnold, that, you know, he was a bit of a grumpy poet. You see, that, that's not you. That's so not me. So. I don't... I, I, I think... Feeling old, growing yeah. old, may well be when you spend long days not once feeling that we were ever young. Yeah. But that's why I don't feel I'm, I'm growing old. No. Because as yet, I still know what it feels like to be young. Exactly. And I still enjoy remembering when I was young. And I still, from time to time, feel the sparkle of youth. Yes. Even though I'm not. Yeah. And that's how I feel. I feel like in my head and in my heart, I'm like a... a 16, 17 year old, I swear, sometimes I do things and I'm like, oh my God, how old are you? But then I worry about soon what I see in the mirror, what people see see me as will not match how I feel. And that's that's what scares me a little bit. But it's interesting that's twice now during this podcast you've you've talked about a fear of how other people will see you yes, when you get to that stage yeah but surely when you get to that stage it doesn't matter i hope so Now that because I am the scared one, I went and tried to find some positive things. So I found something by Rumi, because you know how I like Sufism. Oh, yeah, yeah, good old Rumi. So he says, and this is a poem on aging, it says, Why does a date palm lose its leaves in autumn? Why does every beautiful face grow in old age, wrinkled like the back of a Libyan lizard? Why does a full head of hair get bald? Why is the tall, straight figure that divided the ranks like a spear now bent almost double? Why is it that the lion's strength weakens to nothing? The wrestler who could hold anyone down is led out with two people supporting him, their shoulders under his arms. God answers, they put on borrowed robes and pretended they were theirs. I take the beautiful clothes back so that you will learn the robe of appearance is only alone. Your lamp was lit from another lamp. All got once is your gratitude for that. Nice. It 
this idea of that your looks are borrowed. Yeah, they're I like not that. really yours. I found really, really fascinating. Yeah, because it acknowledges that we are not our looks. We are our spirit. You know, there's that's the soul in us, and that will stay if we let it. I can feel. I feel that experience of that because um, <clears throat> just recently, I made contact again with somebody who is my first real romance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so let's put it in context. That me- context. That's probably f- nearly forty years since we were last in contact. That is uh, amazing. Content, uh, mm-hmm. Contact. And so there is an element of shock, I'm sure, on both sides to see how physically people are different mm. and how people have aged uh, 40 years. That's a hell of a long time. Mm. Um, but what is also reassuring is that what lies within is not different. It remains, it doesn't is it? It's the same. Yes. So what the essence of a person doesn't ma- matter if they're wrinkled like the back of a Libyan lizard, as you said, <laughs> <laughs> because what's underneath is, is their essence is the, the same. And I found that actually quite, quite reassuring because uh, I, was, I was quite nervous about... Uh, I'd, I'd had some sort of uh, communication by text message. Mm. But the, um, the idea of actually talking face-to-face was quite scary for both of us yeah. because, uh, because of that, I think, because yeah. of the physical... What will you think of me now? Yeah, you're not so going to want to speak to me now yeah. because of, you know, my full head of hair has got bald or, or whatever. Yeah, or uh, my borrowed robe has been taken. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So, no, I, I think the physicality... But did, I think for me, though, the, I think as we said before, the, the physicality of growing old doesn't bother me as much as the social aspects, I think. Mm-hmm. I think the connotations of growing old now are that the way that society is with so many old people and so little real um, social care. And in the communities that we live in, sort of the Western world, that kind of individualistic culture, families are dispersed everywhere. Mm. So you're not going to be looked after by your children. My children, much as I love them, will not have me living with them when I'm old and infirm. Mm. So I am more scared about the, the loneliness aspects or the aloneness aspects of being, being old than the fact that I look old and, and grey. Because I think being old and grey is just a fact. Yeah. It's going to happen. Yeah. You're like a piece of fruit. Eventually... It's going to go wrinkly. I mean, some people do say that you should wear your wrinkles kind of as a badge of honor. You know, it's like to show the journey that Mm. you have had. You know, you have gone through so much and you have gathered so much wisdom. Of course, your looks should reflect that. And so when I think of all the women who have Botox and, and, you know, I'm nothing against Botox. I mean, who knows? Maybe in 20 years, I'll change my mind. I'll be like, give it to me. But I feel like we... I was actually reading something the other day by Rachel Wise. Do you know the, the actress? Yeah. And she was 
really kind of bashing actresses for having Botox because she's like, actors should have expression lines. And if you blur those, then what have we got here? Yeah. And so I found that, I found that very interesting. Yeah, I, I find it very difficult to, to be judgmental though, because um, if people feel the need to have Botox... Let them have it. Then they they must feel strongly, and then that must be a strong need within them. Um, I, I think it's just a shame that society has put so much pressure on people that they feel the need not to be authentic. Yeah. Um, so just you know, the phrase "growing old gracefully." Mm. I like that idea. Yeah. Just grow old gracefully. Accept what's going to happen to you. And isn't it funny? You know, you think about celebrities, and some have you know flourished and as as older actors and actresses I mean, have become more beautiful look at Helen Mirren she's fantastic I didn't know Helen Mirren before she yeah. played the queen and now she's she's I think she's an icon yeah no so Judy Dench yeah like the queen of the stage now these people have grown um grown old gracefully but because I think at the heart of what they were was not just about their looks. But I think if, if your product, you know, if your product is your looks, yeah. then once that disappears, that must be, that must be pretty, horrific. pretty horrific. Yeah, that would be, yes, if, exactly. If that is your product, that is what you offer the world, yeah. then when that's taken away from you, it's, it's the end of you, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's her name? The, um, Emma Thompson? Yeah. The older one. Oh, she's great. Yeah, she's fantastic. Was, yeah. It was never about her looks. No, even... even I, I love Kate Winslet because she's yeah. another one who um, has... Yeah, she's gone through each age, each of her, you know, um, stages of her, of her life looking and acting her age. Yes, and I must say, um, she's still, to me, she's a very attractive woman still, and I think she will continue to be because yeah, of that yeah. That resilience and that kind of, it's It's the spirit in her that is, like, on and fire. It's back to what we were talking about, isn't it? There's certainly an icky guy about her. Absolutely. Or a guiding light or mm. etc. Yeah. But I just hope I don't end up, um, like... Unfortunately, so many of the population. The reality of it is, we're probably in a good, uh, a privileged position. Yes. But you know, when such a large percentage of the population is old mm. and not enough care, too many people living on their own. Yeah. You know, basically an epidemic of of loneliness, loneliness isn't it? Yes. And I think I'm more scared of that than actually. I'm definitely not scared of dying. Mm. I probably welcome. <laughs> I feel like getting a good when night. When the time is right. I feel like getting a good night's sleep. <laughs> I mean, it's as long as it's fine. I'm more scared of the process of dying, um, if it if it involves a lot of pain and yes. discomfort. Yes. I, I don't want to be a burden to anybody. That's yeah. the second thing. Mm. And I don't want to die lonely. I'd like, you know, to have some sort of connection. If, uh, basically, what you were saying about the Harvard study. Yeah. Um, the uh, the converse is true that for a large number of people, they're going to have exactly the opposite. I think what's important is that there is a difference between. It, not all marriages mean that you are with someone. You know, sometimes you yeah. can be really, really lonely when you're married to someone you're not happy with, 
And the same can be true for someone who's single, but they have like good family. They're surrounded by good family. Yeah. They're good, yeah. surrounded by good friends. That makes a good life, doesn't it? And then you have a tribe. You have a support system. And that's well, all that that's, matters. That's to do with different different connotations to the word loneliness, mm-hmm. isn't it? So there's a book by uh, there's a professor of psychiatry mm-hmm. um, in Ulm, my hometown. Mm-hmm. So Manfred Spitzer, who um, Professor Spitzer, who started out. He's got a, a, a group at the university who were originally studying, um, or at least their last big study was on the effects of uh, social media and the internet on children and cognitive development, which was in oh. itself really interesting, mm-hmm. topic for another day. Mm. But his uh, more recent work has been on the epidemic of loneliness, and he's quite strong in saying that he believes the the, the biggest threat to um, to health yeah. is, is loneliness. Yeah. And that was definitely borne out in the, the epidemic because, mm. uh, the, the pandemic, because those who were most vulnerable were elderly who were on their own. Yeah. Um, but he made a, what I thought was a really valid point was that loneliness in itself is not just it because he identified the, the age group who were the most lonely mm. were not old people. Mm. It was actually people in the late teens and early 20s. I was going to say that. I was going to say it's... If you look at all the angry, angry people in the world, you know, like those who, I don't know, commit mass murder and things like that, especially when they're young, it's because it's the feeling of not belonging, isn't it? Yeah. And that is a sense of loneliness where you feel unheard, unseen. The things you were talking about with the Harvard study, I think for quite a lot of people in society... um, their experience of it is not authentic. Yeah. So they believe they're connected, but they're not. Yes. Because their connection is through social media. They don't really have contact. Mm. Contact. Mm. They don't really. Um, they're not really acting out a role as part of a, a community. So I, I can see it's not a good sign, is it, in terms of what that study was saying that yes. all of those people are actually not going to experience those major drivers for longevity of life. Um, but he said, that, anyway, Spitzer said um, he wasn't really focusing so much on, on young, young people, but more about the combination of being old mm. um, combined with loneliness is just a recipe for disaster, disaster because one feeds the other. So if you are old and infirm and you find it difficult to get out, then you won't go out because you've got nobody to go out for. Exactly, and nobody will force you to go out, that's the other thing. Whether you need to wash today, it doesn't matter because you're not going to see anybody. So it becomes like a cycle of behaviour that will then, yeah, uh, speed up the process of of dying. It's really, really quite sad. And then the worst case is that you, you die and then nobody finds you. I was I read read a story um, the other day about an, um, an a woman in England actually who died by herself in her flat and she was not discovered for two years. Oh my the interesting God. thing is that her landlord actually cut the electricity, but did not stop charging her rent. So he knew oh something was up. God. So yeah, but. I wonder if the Japanese have a of word for this. Of course they've got, of course they, I, thank you for They've got a that. word for everything, huh? They've got a word for everything. Um, so apparently the Japanese term is kodokushi, and kodokushi means lonely death. Oh. So this is like my worst nightmare. 
which is how we got here from where I we were. Know. We were quite upbeat before, but then suddenly I've got the wrinkle back like a Libyan lizard and I'm <laughs> dying a lonely death. So a person who dies alone, their absence unnoticed for weeks until a neighbour notices. So apparently in Japan, um, their elderly population has grown significantly such that, um, you know, those in the older age groups... Um, in Tokyo, 46% of the population, according to the 2010 census, um, are the retired um, single households. Mm. Single households. Oh, goodness. 45, wow. 46% in single households. Um, yeah. And so now, um, after the earthquake in the 1970s, was it? Post-earthquake reconstruction, lots of um, uh, stories about men um, in their 50s and 60s and women in their 70s and 80s being found a long time after they, they died. Oh, dear. I mean, that's terrible. That is really terrible. You know what I think? And this is something that I've been thinking about for a long time. I think... Everybody who lives alone, any old lady, old man who lives um, alone in an apartment, especially a big house, they should go and find themselves a younger companion. I've been trying to find my one myself. <laughs> That's then. not what I mean. Oh, I see, yeah. <laughs> I can't afford it. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, find... <laughs> not you, you're very young. We're yeah, still finding you. No, no, We're yeah. finding you someone yes, soon. Okay, yeah. Um, but I was talking about older people in maybe the encore phase. Um, maybe they should find, you know, a student or somebody like that who's looking for cheap accommodation and they can be very good for each other, you know? Well, when you also, when you take into account that people in that age group, student age group, finding somewhere to live is exactly. incredibly expensive. They can't Again, afford it. It's they another win-win, it. isn't it? Yes. So um, that would be perfect. I think that would be the best solution for everyone involved. You know, the problem is that um, it only takes a small number of people to abuse that system for yeah. it to all fall down. Because I think the vast majority of people would do that and it would win. It would be a win-win, wouldn't it, it would for be everybody? It would be great for everyone. It would ensure that these older people will stay young for longer because cheap, they'll be like, they have someone... property for, yeah. for students... And they're yeah. waiting for someone. They're, like, trying to give them their two cents. Yeah. Although I'm just thinking about my dad. Oh, I'm not sure that he'd want to. He's such a creature of... You never know. Yeah. If he finds the right person that comes in and matches Young, his blonde, interest. Young, Swedish student comes over for a couple... Yeah, no, maybe. <laughs> well... I've got a... I've got a... Um, I've got a solution. Hmm. Um, so... Yeah, there was a film yeah. that I don't think you've seen because mm. you would have mentioned it to me, I'm sure. Um, in the 60s, I think, uh, called Logan's Run. Okay. Um, it was uh, futuristic sci-fi set in the year tw uh, 2274. Okay. Um, and in this ideal world, everything was perfect. Mm. People had, could, they didn't really have to work. Everything was automated. They had this ideal, beautiful... Uh, utopian society until they reached the age of 30 mm -hmm. and then they had to go and undergo the carousel religious ceremony okay. which is basically another word for euthanasia so oh. they they were all taken off now 
I thought about this film, and of course, I didn't enjoy the film at the time. It was quite horrible. Yeah. And the age of 30 seemed a little bit young to be that taking people young. off. But I did think, in all seriousness, sort of joking aside, um, the world's population since I was born, Rama, has increased from 3.2 million. Hmm. Billion. Sorry, 3.2 billion. Hopefully <laughs> that would have been <laughs> You're prehistoric. A dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, I'm a dinosaur. Uh, 3.2 billion, thank you, to it's just over 8 billion now. Wow. In my lifetime. I mean, look at that. That's incredible. And think about the strain on natural resources. Mm. No wonder, I, I think to myself, you know, no wonder there's an environmental cli- uh, crisis. No wonder there's a shortage of natural resources. No wonder there's so much pollution. The world's population has increased by nearly 200% since I've been born. That's insane. That is insane. So there are all of these oldies like me rattling around. More people are going to be not just old, but of a of a of an age and a, a, a status where they cannot look after themselves. So is Logan's Ron that film? Is it so stupid as it sounds? Would it be wrong for me or for society to say, look, to be fair on everybody? Mm-hmm doesn't matter gender what class where you come from everybody gets i don't know 70 75 years mm. and then you can plan and die whatever beautiful death you want to mm. die but we all get the same access to the world for 75 years and then you don't have this overhead of basically 25 years you know people living to 100 yeah. of people being lonely yeah. or having to be cared for in an inauthentic way by people being paid minimum wage and, in hating, real, it. and hating it. I mean, and, and the old being people miserable. themselves really yeah. don't want to stay that long. And then getting disease and being treated for long periods of time, being in hospital beds, being in pain. I can Their see, diapers changed. Yeah, yeah. I can see, and I know there's plenty of problems with the hypothesis of course but, but i can see some sense in it i mean i i am not against it and i think sometimes we hold on to dear life so 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 much like too much where to the extent of life of, of um i don't know we're using up too many resources we're putting so much strain on our hospitals on our young like if you think of china and after the one child policy mm. how much that one child has to do for his elderly parents yeah, yeah i mean it's it's really it's a lot to ask and the alternative is to be in a home and not see your um your loved ones and and i don't know what kind of life that or, is or to be on your own i don't want die, to i really don't want to live that long and undergo good old kodakushi yeah but to think about also losing a lot of wisdom that when we lose old people we lose a lot of their wisdom that they bring. We could ask them to write it down before they went. <laughs> there was a there's an old story from the Arabic folklore, and it's um, I'll try to summarize it. It's um, a um, in a in a city there's a king, and somebody advises the king that for the country or to the city to thrive, they need to get rid of their old, and so he decrees uh, an order, and they kill all of the older people. One young man hides his father in the cellar and he does his best not to let anybody know that he his older father is living with him 
Um, but the king hears of it somehow, and somebody must have told him, I don't know, a spy or something, that this man is hiding his father. So he sends for him. He sends one of his soldiers. The soldier says to him, the king wants to see you tomorrow with shoes on but barefoot. So the man is like, oh my God, what do I do with shoes on but barefoot? He goes downstairs to his father, and the father says to him, I have an idea. You take these shoes, take the soles off. You put them on, but you take the soles off, and you go to him. And Clever. then you see him, and he's like, look, I have shoes on, but I'm barefoot. So he does that, and the king is actually impressed, and he's like, okay, tomorrow I'd like you to come to me riding but walking. And so he goes home and he says to his father, the king wants to see me riding and walking. And he says, okay, go get a stick. And you ride the stick, but you walk on your feet and you get there. Yeah. And so the king is really impressed. It's like, okay, that's, that's really cool. And then he says to him, what was it? Tomorrow, I want you to bring me your enemy and your friend. And so he goes home and he says to his father, he wants to see me with my enemy and friend. I have no idea. And he says to him, take your wife and your dog. And this is where it gets a bit... He takes his wife and his dog and he says to him, when you take them there, make sure you beat them both up. And he says, beat them both. Yeah, you have to do it. Just do it. Trust me. Yeah. So when he goes there, he beats up his wife and his wife gets really he's like, what? You're beating me. I swear to God, I'm going to get you in trouble. So she tells the king right then and there, this man is hiding his father in the center. And then she leaves. Yeah. And then the man hits his dog and the dog, you know, cowers and cries, but then yeah. actually ultimately comes back to him and he's his loyal friend. And so the king is really impressed. He's like, oh, I, I knew that tomorrow bring me your father so he basically brings his father to court the next day to the king's court and then um the king basically takes him as an advisor or something like that yeah. i mean it's a silly old story from from, <laughs> from arabic folklore Not quite sure what to make of that huh? <laughs> uh, is it time for me to get a dog i, I, I don't have know no idea no but it's just basically the father must have known that his wife was not a good wife and that she would yeah. betray him at the first sign of you know, yeah, if she was a good wife, she might have said, hmm, he must be under pressure. I have to say, I always um, used to sneer at the idea of older people being wise. Mm. Um, and I think, again, because I come from a, you know, individualistic culture, Protestant work, work ethic, mm. I, I always used to think, you know, um, older people are just in my way. Mm. You, know. you should see them driving. Yeah. Nothing, and I mean nothing in this world, gets me more angry than when I am driving and there's old, an older person. Old people. Because I'm always late and yeah. I'm always in a rush. Yeah. And then there's this old person taking his no sweet time. time. No, no it time pressure. Me nuts. Yeah, I used to, I used to be very uh, irritated by that, but now I'm more into that category. Are you? I, I, I definitely don't condone the slow driving. Ah, okay. I still drive, drive too fast. But I do um, understand the concept of wisdom. Mm. I used to think of wisdom as being knowing what to say or what to mm. do. Whereas now I understand it's the ability not to say anything uh -huh. or not to do anything. Where I always, pre previously always felt I have to do something. Something's got to be done. Um, whereas now I'm in the privileged situation of being able to, to sit back a little bit and uh, exercise my wisdom to know when to be yeah. involved and when not to be involved. Yeah. Um, because 
I feel like I've, especially in the setting that we're working in, mm. I've kind of seen it all before. Yeah. So I don't feel phased or particularly, you know, stressed by Nothing any, shocks any of it. you anymore. No, You've seen it really, all. Not really. Um, yeah. So I quite like that. Yeah. It, I don't know if, if this has anything to do with this poem that I'm about to read to you, but this is a poem I found and it's, I wonder if there is wisdom in this. If it's 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 kind of the grumpy kind of wisdom, but I, I, I like the grumpy stuff because I, I can I can best um, yeah um, identify with that. So this is a poem also called "An Aging" by a poet that we all love, and that's Maya Angelou. And oh, she yeah. says, and I'm trying to be an angry lady here. Let let me let me see if I can. I do know that. it's not in your character type, but you <laughs> give it your best shot. I will try. When you see me, see sitting quietly. Like a sack left on the shelf. Don't think I need your chattering. I'm listening to myself. Hold, stop, don't pity me. Hold, stop your sympathy. Understanding if you got it. Otherwise, I'll do without it. When my bones are stiff and aching and my feet won't climb the stair, I will only ask one favor. Don't bring me no rocking chair. When you see me walking, stumbling, don't study and get it wrong. Cause tired don't mean lazy, and every goodbye ain't gone. I'm the same person I was back then. A little less hair, a little less chin, a lot less lungs, and much less wind. But ain't I lucky, I can still breathe in. Yes. I like it. I can sort of imagine her reading that as well. But I think she would read it much more oh, she would, with much more dignity than I did. <laughs> yeah. But it does say it, it is very wise, even though in, it's a bit bitter. You can see, you can imagine her getting a lot of like offers to do, or like maybe like you said, you know, like like she has no dignity, you know, like let me do things for you. Oh, you have no idea. Maybe, yeah, maybe I let think... me raise my voice when I speak to you because you must be dumb or, you know. So yeah. I think she, she wants an end to that. Yeah, I think people are, are, can be very, very nice, can't they, and offer their help and, you know, here, let me help you with that. But I know, like, my father, if you ever said to him, let me carry the shopping, mm. he would be off on a, a little rant, just like Maya Angelou here, about, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm just old, I'm not handicapped, exactly. or I'm not, you know, I'm, you don't have to, don't have to shout. Like, you know, so um, there's that kind of determination um, that while I'm still breathing, yes. I still want to be treated as me, yeah. not like I'm some sort of... Invisible you know, person or exactly. some person who, who needs your... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I'm thinking about the time when somebody will offer me a, a seat on the bus. Yeah. I think I would lose my mind if somebody younger than me offered me a seat on the bus. I mean, this is well, hopefully in many years down the road. I still feel like I'm young, so I'm getting up offering my seat to people who are younger than who me. Who might be young, exactly. Um, which is a bit weird. <laughs> I, I'll be horrified if that happens to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was telling you that um, it is pretty depressing for me if I go on a, like a dating app. Yeah. How and, does that and, feel, Tony? Tell us. 
gosh, I'm not sure whether I should have opened up this can of worms on a podcast. Well, you opened but, it, I swear uh, I did not. Honestly, I, I, I've been on a couple of dating apps because of my personal circumstances. Yeah. Um, and because um, and people have suggested, yeah. these people have got a high match with you. Yeah. And I look at them, it's like, what? it's my granny. Why do I not want to go out with my granny? <laughs> I don't want to go out with somebody who likes, you know... <laughs> Gardening and making cake. <laughs> so, uh, actually, I, I like gardening and making. I was going to say, things, what's but, wrong with those um, two things? But no, it's a real. Again, I think this is a um, a Western thing. Mm. The um, identifying with a different age group than the one you belong to, mm. because we haven't yet settled upon uh, a firm idea about what the ideal sort of what old age is. And because we've been brought up to believe being old is not a positive thing, I definitely don't. I I, I don't see people who are my age as as being my age group. Yeah, I if know. I'm walking around the town. Yeah. You know, looking like, oh, looking around, looking yeah. at, looking at the uh, ladies and whatever. <laughs> I'm definitely not looking at the ladies of my age. Yeah. I don't see, or you know, the people that I would see in a bar that I want to be talking to. Are not my age group because yes. they're old people. Yeah. yeah, I don't. I don't see myself as part of that. I I totally get that, but also it is because. But you're still you, young, so you probably do. You, do you identify with your same age group or or, it's or even younger? I don't know. I identify a lot with my students, <laughs> what problems they are having. You know, like I feel like I have the same issues and the th- the same things that I enjoy. Like we're still watching the same TV shows and they're listening to the same music and mm. and all of that. And I feel like sometimes I'm on the tram or something and I see somebody on the street and I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, that old older like middle aged lady. And I'm like, yeah. oh, I wonder if she's. And I swear, I've I've really like resisted the urge to go and ask people excuse me how old, how old are, are you, you? Yeah. i swear i've wanted well, to do even this. more so for me because yeah. uh, you know you're still a spring chicken but i'm uh, i'm getting a little bit old in the tooth so there are i mean i i see pictures of my old school friends or university friends mm. as i sort of implied mm. with my this girlfriend that i mm. sort of uh, had contact with and it is really scary and you do think to yourself do other people look at me and think of me in the same way as I'm looking at them? Yeah. Do I really look that old? You do not. I mean, Let my, me tell you. My brother, he looks like he looks like an old. <laughs> Is he going to be listening to this? Uh, he looks like a movie star. He looks like he looks great. Yeah. And he's loving. He retired last yeah. uh, last um, Christmas. He is absolutely loving his retirement. Mm. So actually, I could have used him as an example of somebody that retirement or getting older works for. Mm. He's having the time of his life. I love that. But he looks like an old sea captain. <laughs> <laughs> and he never used to. He was an engineer. Yeah. But he uh, he has got white. His hair's going white. He's got a big beard. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hello, my brother. Yeah, he's great. I think what's interesting um, is how our perception of ageing sort of changes. Yeah. It's really it's, it's so interesting. It's interesting talking to you because a lot of what you're saying, I can remember being at that same stage in life. It's not exactly the same because I'm male. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the challenges of the aging process for 
a female, particularly in our society. Unfortunately. Oh, so unfair. It's so unfair. Even though they say that women actually live longer, but the quality yeah. of life is different, you know, because... But it's almost women... like society is... is um, is telling you how you've got to go yeah. about aging, yeah. whereas the rules don't seem to be quite so firmly in place for men. Exactly, exactly. But also, to be honest with you, it's not just society, it's nature, man. Yeah. Nature is against us. Yeah. I don't yeah. know why. Like, women, you know, as soon as... And some women have really, like, found their way around this, and maybe they were also lucky with their genes, and you don't... You won't even... You can't tell that they are menopausal. But... Once you're beyond that childbearing age or once you have, I don't know, turned grey, yeah. then it's... It's I, surplus to requirements, aren't you? Then your job is done and... Yeah, exactly. It's like... Meanwhile, Rod Stewart or whoever mm-hmm. hooks up with somebody else and is having children in his 70s or 80s. I know. Yeah, I that's, know. That's, and, but, yeah, it, it's, it's mind-boggling. Robert De Niro, who's just had a child, is it? Robert I mean, De Niro and, and Al Pacino. Yeah. They both have babies at the moment. What, what, what for? But Not together. But... <laughs> No, that would be amazing. <laughs> that would be, would yeah. be amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's quite unfair. And that contributes to, to my fear of being older. Yeah. Because I'm like, what will my role be then? And what yeah. will I be yeah. seen as? And will I lose my, not just my vitality, but also my femininity, you know? Because, you know, as you get yeah. older, then kind of like, sometimes I look at people on the street and I'm like, wait, let me get closer because I can't tell. <laughs> this is a man uh, or a woman. <laughs> Yes. Their hair is short and I it's know. like unkempt and they're dressed in like any like unisex clothes and he like but is that necessary? I don't know. I, I really yeah. don't know. I might I might be like that in 20, 30 years, who knows? But for now I'm like, no. I intend to dress well, to do my hair, to to just look, you know, dignified for goodness sake. I just warn you, Rama, that you might change your mind. I might, yeah. I think where you are, I think you you have a really great time in life. Mm. You are standing at the top of the pinnacle. Mm. You are at the peak because you've got plenty of experience, but you've also got plenty of uh, plenty of road ahead. So when you've been on that journey downhill for a while, uh, maybe you look at it differently. Yeah, nothing matters yeah. anymore, huh? Roger McGough. Yeah. Ooh, He's a yeah. good example. He's a great example. Yesterday, I hadn't I hadn't heard this um, or read this poem before, and then I found this really interesting poem. So, so and he was like a, a, a bit of a rebel. He was poet. a rebel, exactly. <clears throat> he was one of the uh, Merseyside poets in the late sixties. So when the Beatles mm. scene, the Liverpool music scene was mm. bursting out, at yeah. the same time came all of these, you know, rock. Rock and roll poets, poets really. as well. The Merseyside poets, and he were. I remember him as a kid, actually. So I must have only been. Very, I was very young, but there was a group of Scouse Liverpudlian poets. They even made themselves into a, a pop group called the Scaffold. Mm. Did mm. you ever hear a pop mm-hmm. song called Lily the Pink? No, no. probably not. But uh, Roger McGough was in that that group as well. But, uh, yeah, he was a regular on TV. And yeah, he was yeah. a big deal, wasn't he? He was a star. And so here is a poem he wrote in 1967 when he... I was three. <laughs> he was three. You, you were, were three. You were scared. You weren't even a twinkle. No. 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 But... Um, That's because your mum was only three. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> My mum was born in 
two, three, she was four. Four, okay. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Rama's mom. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so this, um, Roger McGough wrote this poem. It's called Let Me Die a Young Man's Death. Okay. He wrote it in 1967. So he, he would have been, been yeah, yeah, 30. So I he wasn't so. even at the pinnacle. At no, that no, he was okay. a young man himself. So it goes, let me die a young man's death, not a clean and in between the sheets holy water death, not a famous last words peaceful out of breath death. When I'm 73 and in constant good tumour, may I be mown down at dawn by a bright red sports car on my way home from all that night party. Or when I'm 91 with silver hair and sitting in a barber's chair, may rival gangsters with ham-fisted Tommy guns burst in and give me a short back and insides. (laughs) Or when I'm 104 and banned from the cavern, May my mistress catching me in bed with her daughter and fearing for her son cut me up into little pieces and throw away every piece but one. Let me die a young man's death. Not a free from sin tiptoe in candle wax and waning death. Not a curtains drawn by angels born. What a nice way to go, death. This is really cool. That's a great. That's I really love it. Cool. I feel like I want to go down. Like yeah, that. but that's because you're there at that same sort of age group, aren't you? No. So that's, I, that's great. I love that because it's got the um, the dark English, northern English yeah. humour in yeah. there. But there's also a valid point being made under there, and it's a little Absolutely. bit, uh, yeah, a bit. I want to go down kicking rock and roll, but that's not how it ended. Because more recently, I think it was last year. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but um, Carol Ann Duffy uh, put together like an anthology of poetry um, on, on the theme of aging. Mm. It was like an aging project, and so Roger McGough wrote a follow-up to that poem. Oh, my goodness. I can't wait to hear that. <laughs> Called Not For Me, A Young Man's Death. He's changed his mind. Um, because uh, how old will he be then? That's 67, 80. He's, he's old, isn't oh, he? Wow. yeah. Um, so, yeah, and he's... I wonder if Roger McGough still alive. I, I guess he probably is. hope so. Anyway, he says... I won't do it in a Scouse accent because I don't want to offend any Liverpudlians who might be listening. <laughs> not know. for me, a young man's death. Not a car crash, whiplash, John Doe, DOA at A&E kind of death. Not a gun in hand in a far-off land, IED at the roadside death. Not a slow fade, razor blade, bloodbath in the bath death. Jump under a train, Kurt Cobain, bullet in the brain death. Not a horse-riding, paragliding, mountain-climbing fall death. Motorcycle into an old stone wall. You know the kind of death, death. My nights are rarely unruly. My days of all-night parties are over, well and truly. No mistresses, no red sports cars. No shady deals, no gangland bars. No drugs, no fags, no rock and roll. Time alone has taken its toll. Hmm. Not for me, a young man's death. Not a domestic brawl, blood in the hall, knife in the chest, death. Not a drunken binge, 
dirty syringe. What a waste of life, death. Awesome. <laughs> I love this. They're both great. Oh. I can see them both. They both have a time, don't they? I think that's so beautiful, isn't it, to write the same theme at different Absolutely. times in your life. Absolutely. That is brilliant. Full circle. And I like how he's mature. But still, this, this passion is still there in a way. The yeah. way he, he he's the way he strings his words together. There is this I don't he know. He uses the same tomba for the for both poems. I yeah. love it. They're great. It's like part one and part two of the same poem, written thirty years or forty years apart. to go back and give the Tonys of your past some advice what would it be let's end on a high you're assuming it's going to end on a high come on Tony I would um, two things so which one are we talking to the 30 year old the 20 year old Um, oh they're, they're so different the younger Tony I would have said slow down Slow down, smell the coffee, breathe in the air, enjoy what's around you. Um, I was in too much of a hurry, definitely. Um, the slightly older Tony, I would have said, um, stop, stop sacrificing yourself, be a bit more selfish, mm-hmm. I think. Um, and I think if I should give advice to anybody on the aging process, um, I would say there's nothing to be scared of. I don't think there's anything to be scared of with getting old. I think being scared is if there's nothing to live for. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, what we were talking about with Ikigai and, and those concepts, I absolutely get that. I'm not scared right now because I've got plenty going on in my life that yeah. I'm happy to live for. I've got great people around me. I've got family. So why, you know, fingers crossed I don't get any physical mm. issues. But mm. while I'm healthy, mm. yeah, life is good. So don't fear. What about you? What about you looking forward? Because you've talked about sort of a bit of insecurity there. Yeah. So how, what's your plan of attack then? How are you going to... Well, I did mention the purple hair. Yeah. That is definitely going to happen. Looking forward to it. Although yeah. everybody around me that I've told the plan to were like, please don't do it. But I really do think color, my, my, my purple is my color. It would mm. look great on me because mm-hmm. I am graying. And that soon I'll be like, okay, instead of dying it black, let's dye it purple. Yeah. Um, but any, I ad- any advice for your, for your younger self? For my younger self, I would like... I would very, very much like to go back to the 15-year-old drama that was really struggling back then and tell her, oh, first of all, I want to give her a big hug because she was very scared and very, she saw a lot of not so great times. Mm-hmm. I would like to tell her, you are good enough and you will be fine. And trust me, you will like yourself at some point. And so I would like to tell her that. Um, 
the 20-year-old drama, I would say, I know you think you have no goal in life and you don't know who you are, but you will be something to someone and you can do great things. So just just wait and see. Um, 30-year-old drama, I think I would tell her, like you actually, now is the time to be selfish and um, live your life. Um, be careful who you surround yourself with. Mm. Um, cut out all kinds of things that are actually making you physically sick. Um, and it'll, it won't be easy, but it will be fine. Um, as for moving forward, I think what I would like to tell myself is that I would always have an achy guy. I have actually promised myself that I would like to retire as soon as possible, but I would still like to do as much as possible when I'm retired. Yeah. I, my plan is to be reading with little children, you know, going and, and um, basically like what I'm doing here, but without the responsibility yeah. of waking up at a certain point and, you know, still making sure that I leave, I have an impact somewhere, but yeah. not having to do it because I have to do it, but because I want to do it. And I think that's it, isn't it? So, icky guy for me, yeah, I... I I am in no rush to retire because mm. I love what I do. Mm. Why would I want to retire? I enjoy the people that, that I, I work with. I love the presence of the kids. Yeah. So long may, long may it last. So I think, yeah, I think we're recommending everybody finds their icky guy. Exactly. I think that's what it is. Find your icky guy. Take care of this vessel that you live in too. I think this is something that we alluded to with the Blue Zones, what we didn't really talk about. It's like... I am definitely doing more exercise than I've ever done in my life. Yeah. So yeah. take care of the vessel. Take care of the passenger inside. Yeah. Um, find your icky guy and live long and prosper. Prosper, yeah. Okay. Good. Then? That was great. Thank you, Rama, for sharing. Thank um, you for being really with me here. And yeah. And we'll um, see you. We'll see our, well, we won't see our listeners. No. We? But we'll, we'll they be will hear us. Soon. Exactly. Okay next time. See you. Bye. We hope that you've enjoyed listening to the readings we chose for you today. And that our musings have ignited your thoughts. If you've enjoyed this episode... Please share it with your friends and those you think would enjoy it. If you have any thoughts, suggestions, or any kind of feedback, please send us an email using the email in the show notes. We'd love to hear from you with the words that make you.